you know what that song is. <laughs> We're not supposed to be here right now. This episode shouldn't exist. But we don't miss! Welcome back, welcome back. Uh, this is the Around the Post ATP podcast. Um, it's your your one and only host, Jake Asai, in the building. And uh, as you guys know from last week, Figaroa is not in attendance this week. Um, there was a possibility of us doubling up last week on the news, but there wasn't enough news. And then there was also the possibility of us um, trying to figure out something to get a second episode out this week. But what we do have is, if you're a long listener of this podcast, you've heard this man before. We have Joey here. What's up? One episode, but um, why don't you try to roll the R on my last name? Uh, Jody Caraz. <laughs> Jody, Joey Caraz. Or Jody, Joey Roa. Nah, it doesn't work. Uh. <laughs> I don't even know how to do it, so yeah. it's cool. But yeah, man. Uh, how you feeling? How you been? Good. Just uh, a lot of tennis. You've been playing a lot of tennis? A lot of tennis. How's your tennis doing? Does Dude, it feel good? I leveled up. Really? Yes. I've leveled down. My knees hurt. I'm getting fatter. No, I'm actually, I think I'm about the same weight. I don't think I've gained any weight, but man, I just, I have so much work to do body-wise, like rehab and building the muscles around the leg, and I just haven't found a real work rhythm for it, and thus, I feel like I'm just at a standstill. Um, but you know, we, we talked about that earlier. We're going to, we're going to work on that. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't yet. I mean, since you've been out, like there hasn't been a solid training partner. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just not. Well, I mean, just to put things in perspective for you, <clears throat> shout out to my buddy Javier, but he beat me in a single set and I went, okay, time for a break. <laughs> I was like, I haven't lost to him in like six years. So when I lost that match, I was like, okay, I'm actually hurt. Like I'm actually performing different. So I knew it was time for me to rest. So, you know, um, I'm going to bounce back. And I know that it's only temporary. You know, I'm not, it's not like I broke a bone or anything. And I can play through pain. So, I mean, speaking of which, obviously, we have some guys with foot injuries doing just fine. Hmm. Um, so a lot of things to unpack here. But I guess we could start with the French Open, man. Um, did you watch any of the matches at the French? Yeah. Um, well, actually, ho- highlights. My tennis TV didn't offer uh the french open of course it didn't that the the networks that are streaming tennis are so streaky you know they there's one where they have like all the 250s and 500s and there's one where they have some of the 1000s then there's ones that have just one slam and it's it's frustrating um i would love for it to all just be in one central location and give me a price yep i'll pay yeah it's fine i would give the money up (laughs) yeah I when I had cable, I don't have cable anymore. But when I had it, I only had it for tennis. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. I recorded every match, you know, every tournament, and I would just sit down and watch them when I went to bed. And that's how I discovered a lot of players. I'll never forget the first time I ever saw Nisha Corey play. This is like 2010 or 11. But I remember I was just watching like a 250 event, and he was playing John Isner, and I was like, "Who's this little Asian guy who's so good? He was yeah. he was taking the serve early." And his backhand looked great. And I was like, wow, that guy's good. And then he became who he was, which is a top 10 player. So, you know, but little moments like that come from watching the tournaments on cable and having access. Yeah. Because with highlights, you don't really watch the nobodies on highlights, you know? For sure. So it is what it is. But um, what were your standout matches at the French? Mm, 
I mean, when Zverev got hurt, um, I was bummed because I was following that. That was a really, really tight match. Yeah, I I was like, oh, five-setter for sure. Oh, and like, for sure. Or it was going to be like three straight tie breaks. Yeah. And he just doesn't finish any. Right, right. Which, that happens. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but... I think a lot of times what separates the big three from the rest is those little details and big points, like the yeah. the, cha- the game-changing points. Um, it was 8-10 in the tiebreaker in the first set. Yeah. 8-10. Second set was 6-all when Zverev got injured. Yeah. He was playing the... He was giving Nadal the toughest competition so far at the French. Yeah. That was actually, a, in my opinion, a superior match to the one with Djokovic. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, that was pretty awesome to see. Hopefully, he makes a speedy recovery. I'm still not sure what his actual injury was. Do you know? I didn't I didn't read about it, but it just looked like he sprained his ankle really bad. Yeah, his I know it was ankle related, but man, it was it was unfortunate to see him have to do a walkover on that. And on the flip side of that bracket, it was Casper Rude versus the sneaky ninja Marin Cilic. Dude, I thought Cilic might have like had a huge run and took the whole thing. Like, only it wouldn't because, surprise yeah, me. Yeah, it's happened before. Right. He snuck his way through the U.S. <laughs> Open and just served missiles the entire path to the final. Yeah. He just served through everyone. He has big strokes, a big serve, and he's Forehand. steady. He's steady, you know? Yeah. He's so steady. So, fortunately, Casper Ruud is an elite clay court player, and he took advantage of a good draw, you know? He, yeah. he had an open draw. He had a high seating, and he was like... I am a superior clay court player to most people on the tour, and he showed it. But he's not in the universe. Of no, Alpha. like that was such a disappointment. Like Casper wasn't even playing bad; he just like got dominated. You know, ultimately, what it comes down to is there was a little bit of Big Brother syndrome, yeah, spotlight for- nerves. You know, um, I mean, for those who don't know, Casper Rude, who lost to Nadal in the final of the French, his first final ever, he's been to. Um, he was going against a guy who previously had 13 French Open titles. 13 times he won this one Grand Slam. His record there is like 112-3. and three. This guy's record at the French Open is mind-boggling. And he played against him. And honestly, the statistics just backed up the result. That's what it comes down to. Casper Ruud went to Nadal's academy as a kid. <laughs> he was in it a couple years ago. Like He was just in the academy training at Nadal's place, you know? So I think that there's even a bit of a, a subconscious thing of Nadal is a superior player to me. Yeah. And you can't have that when you go no. on the court. In fact, I saw an interview before and he was just pretty much fanboying about Nadal. And I was like, yeah. dude, you can't have that mindset. You've got to I mean, have a more of a disrespectful, a confrontational, yeah. a chip on the shoulder. You've got to see Nadal as human, not a hero. Exactly. If you want to beat him, if you want to beat him. Right. You know, um, that's why I give a lot of credit to Kyrgios in that aspect, that he tries to humanize these players before he plays them. For and sure. He, he's wrong sometimes, you know, <laughs> when he says, like, I'm 2-0 versus Djokovic, man. I'm like, okay, but that's also probably one of the best players to ever hold a racket. So, yeah. calm down, you know. But, you know, I say all that to say, um, Nadal was definitely, if not your first top pick for this tournament, he should have been your second, and he showed it, you know. What yeah. do you think about uh, his his potential for future French Opens and future slams now? It's hard to say. I mean, like, he's on right now, but, like, he gets injured a lot, like, lately. Yeah. 
like late in his career so for the record he's 36 years old yeah so he's he's not at that age of no return if that makes sense you know yeah there are athletes from the past who weren't nadal level in my opinion who made some big runs later than his age you know so to me it's who on the tour really was his competition at the french that isn't djokovic you know um yeah, who who would you pick over him for it? Right. If there's still no one there, it's it's tough to say he can't do it again. Yeah. And I mean and thinking ahead like the US Open this year, Djokovic might not even play. Yeah. So, I mean, that opens a whole new door for him to get another grand slam. Why would Djokovic not play? Uh there's still in the states, they still have the vaccine requirement for him to fly in. Yeah, there's so there's a possibility of the vaccine requirement there. Um, I've heard that Wimbledon's gonna let him play. Do you have you heard that? Oh, why why wouldn't they? Did they have? A... I haven't heard anything about a vaccine stoppage at that one specifically. Gotcha. Um, but that's that's a slam that Federer is supposed to be returning at. Really? He's supposed to be. Um, I don't know if the date changed. But we are supposed to be seeing Federer there, and I'm very curious if what the what's that draw look like if Federer shows. I don't know. Like, I mean, if he shows up, I kind of see him just getting knocked out first round. You know what's funny? He actually was playing well last time he tried to return until the knee kind of tweaked during a match. Oh, you're right. Actually, he was playing yeah. well. Um, and then that match, you could tell the injury was severe because he got breadsticked or bageled for the first time in yeah. his career on a grass court or something like that. Some weird statistic. But yeah, that's true. Something that's never, ever happened before happened. And, you know, prior to that, he was competing. <laughs> I know he's his plan is to come back and play a Swiss indoor event first. Um, nice. maybe it's Basel or oh yeah probably yeah it's yeah. one of those so I'm very curious to see what he's going to look like do you think it's possible for him to make a strong return and be a top 10 level player I wish um, but man every time he comes back it's just like dang disappointed like I don't think so to be honest interesting um, it's tricky for me because the injury he's, he you know was inf- afflicted with is one of the ones that I just I have low hopes for. You know, I don't know a lot of people who make it back from it. But also with the way medic, you know, uh, the advances in, yeah. you know, I don't even know the word. I'm short on words right now. But with the advancements in sports med- medicine, that's not what I'm looking for. But regardless, I got you. I feel like the treatments and stuff like that can get him to at least some form of the fact that they're green lighting him right to play means he believes he can compete yeah Federer is very realistic one of two things is going to happen if he comes back to the tour one he's going to come back and believe that he can play what he like he was before or two he's going to create a farewell farewell tour true true it's going to be one or the other and we're going to know that right away yeah you <laughs> always know when there's a farewell tour going you know Honestly, the Sangha farewell tour was pretty somber. Yeah. It was a lot of first round losses, a lot of straight sets losses, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that Federer won't even know what's actually going to be going on until he sees how he competes on the tour. Yeah. But he was one of those few players who I just felt always had a solution or was a very adaptive player. 
And I'm learning to appreciate him more after seeing some of the CCPA results where he's actually outplaying his opponent. They adjust, and then he doesn't adjust again. Mm. And then he loses. That's what happened to him last year against Djokovic, you know, for that slam. Yeah. And just, he took the first two sets. Djokovic adjusted. Djokovic got the momentum. And CCPA was out of answers. Yeah. You know, and that was the end of the match. And Federer has been in such similar situations, and he adjusts. You remember the 2017 Australian Open. It was like a roller oh, coaster, you know? Dude. It was take the ball early. I'm going to start going back hands down the line. Now I'm going to start coming forward to the net. You know, him and Nadal had this tug of war the whole match. It yeah. was a chess match. So Djokovic does it. Nadal does it. Federer does it. I want to see other players doing it. I know, more, right? You know, Brooksby does it. Yeah. But he lacks the full arsenal to be a big three level player with the, the analytical mind he has. So. He, he has half his, of it. Yeah. He just got his second round win, I think, in... Was it Stuttgart? Or? It might be. I yeah. We're going to talk about Stuttgart as well, but... I say all that to say, um, do you have second thoughts now about Nadal being the all-time greatest? Is he going to oh, be no. the slam leader forever? I, I Here's my big... Um, my big response to the GOAT conversation is... Nadal's awesome... Um, there's no doubt, but he has 14 clay court um, grand slams. Mm-hmm. It's not as um, spread out as the others. Yeah. Um, that's my big uh, response on that. That's why I won't call him the GOAT. That's fair. Well, for me personally, I just am happy. I'm a hater, so I'm a little happy that he snatched it from Djokovic. <laughs> And you know what's funny is I don't think he snatched it from Djokovic. I think Djokovic handed it to him. You know, Djokovic, I mean, yeah. Djokovic didn't play in two slams he should have been the favorite in. And then he does show up to the one he's not a favorite in. You know, it's it's confusing to me why you would taint your legacy that way. But, you know, there are things I don't understand. Yeah. So We I talk a lot about asterisks on this podcast. We do. Would, would we add one to Nadal's Australian and French? Or no, um potentially the u.s open me personally i can't because i think that all of the big three have had situational slam wins where maybe they only had to play this guy or true only true. had to play this guy they've all had a few and i think that in the grand scheme it somewhat bounces out there yeah that- so i'm not too mad at him getting lucky on a few draws because at the end of the day, he was the favorite for it, and he played Djokovic at the French. Right? Yeah, you know, for and sure. Djokovic chose not to go to the event. I can't ding Nadal for that. Djokovic made that decision. Now, obviously, with Federer being out, that I'd understand if you wanted to make a claim there, where a player literally couldn't show up. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I don't even think we can have the Federer conversation anymore. Like, Federer wasn't there because... He can't even get past, like, third round. like. Well, Federer just hasn't been healthy. Yeah. That's just what it ultimately is. We haven't seen a healthy, healthy Federer on the tour in years. Yeah. So, you know, this predates 2020. That's the last time we saw a healthy Federer. So I don't know what to expect from him when he comes back. But, you know, I can be optimistic. I think he's always been a graceful player, an intelligent player, and he has all the shots. Yeah. For Nadal and Djokovic, I think these days it's going to, come down to like um facing alcaraz Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see how he does on other surfaces and stuff like that for Um, sure 
But let's talk Iga a little bit, who oh, yeah. is mopping everyone. She's still <laughs> undefeated at uh, Stuttgart. She won her her um, her match there. Nice. Who'd How'd she take out in the final of the French? Of the French, she took out Coco Goff. Right, right. Yeah. And like, was it like two and one or something like that? It was bad. Yeah, it, it was, was bad. bad. You know, um, but it was it was expected. You know, to me, we, me and Figueroa discussed who we thought were the top runners for the French Open, who was in line for it. There was a gap between Iga and everyone else, but everyone else that we listed were gone. You know, Coco Golf wasn't in my top five picks for that event. Yeah. So the fact she made it there, I respect that a lot, but it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that she she's not ready for a match of that level, in my opinion, yet. She's got some work to do. So... Coco Goff will have a slam in her future, but it's not going to be beating Iga right now. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not. You know, she's just not at that level. I'm not sure who is. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's anyone on the WTA who's on her level right now. So, you know, we'll just... The real question is how long can she keep this up? I mean, probably a while. No one on the WTA is, like, consistently winning. Yeah, except Iga. Yeah, except her. Yeah, yeah. so... You know, right now in the WTA, it's mostly just 250 events. So there's not a whole lot to unpack there. But for the guys, um, the grass season has started. We have Kyrgios out there. We have a few of the guys who disappear during the clay season disappearing or reappearing. Um, do you have any high hopes for anyone on this grass season? Obviously, we got the serve bots. We got the Riley Opelkas, the John Isners, yep. the Nick Kyrgioses. We got the guys with the huge serves and the good slices. And then, of course, we got our all-arounders, our favorites. You know, the Alcaraz, Zverev, Sisipa, Nadal, Djokovic. What can we expect? Um, Kyrgios is talking a big game right now on grass. Um, I actually want to see him win one of these grass titles. Mm. Um, I do want to see Brooksby take one. I don't know. I like him. He's just like, never give up. Yeah. Um, who else? Oh, yeah. Query's in it. You can't discount Query. You can't. Grass. Annie Murray is there as well. You know, it's funny. Have you? When's the last time you looked at the ATP rankings, like the actual top ten? Mm, it's been a while. I haven't looked in a while, and I want you to guess who do you think are the top five players on the tour right now? Just naming them in your head. Top five. Top five players on the tour. Um, Djokovic, Medvedev, Pass, Um. Did I say Nadal? You haven't. Okay, Nadal. Um, and who's five? Um, I don't know. What did I say? <laughs> you said Djokovic, Medvedev, Nadal, and Pan. Those are your Zverev. Four. Zverev? Yeah. Okay. Do you think Alcaraz is better than any of those players right now? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Why isn't he in your top five? Um, I don't think he's... Maybe I have checked recently. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just curious uh, who's on your radar the most right now. Who's making the most noise, per se. Not necessarily who has the most points. Because, you know, they they say like, okay, this player is ranked this, but he's playing at this number. Mm. So, for example, Murray was playing top 20 tennis a few months ago. Yeah. He was ranked like 50 or something like that. Yeah. But what level of tennis is Alcaraz playing right now? Can we give it a number? Yeah. Um, Top five. Top five? Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. <clears throat> I do think it's probably creeping around that number five, though. 
Yeah. You know, it seems that best of three, he's a threat to anyone. Best of five, there are a few hurdles when he's not on clay. Who took him out? I believe he lost to Zverev. I believe. Right, right. Yeah. And Zverev went on to be probably the second best player <laughs> in the French Open. So that's unsurprising and it's not yeah. disappointing to know. You know, that means that Alcaraz, Alcaraz lost to, you know, a player who was at the level of Nadal essentially in those first two sets. So that's impressive. But a surprise is a few movements in the rankings. Casper Ruud went up two spots. He's now number six in the world. What? Number six. Wow. He reached a French Open final, and he's been consistently going deep in pretty much every event he's in. You know, he's making some form of a run. So keep an eye on him. Felix Oj Aliassim had a great run at the French and went down to Nadal in a tough match. That was a great performance from him. He's number nine in the world. Nice. Number 10 in the world is Berrettini, which he's... Really? It feels as though he's been pretty quiet. Yeah. You know, so I think he's still protecting some points from last year. For sure, yeah. And I think that he got a lot of points at Wimbledon last yeah. year. Yeah, So what's funny is he's going to get to keep and hoard those points because they're not going to count points this year at Wimbledon. So oh. it's very interesting how that's going to work out. What level of tennis do you think that Nick Kyrgios is playing right now? Because he just straight set it, Casper Ruud at Indian Wells, six two, six three, I believe. I think was it six four, six four, or I don't know. It, it was, was something sets. like that. It was straight sets. It was very quick, clean, and simple. It was a it was a clinic. He yeah. put on a clinic in that match. And he hasn't played. Um, he, he didn't, didn't play much. He he played one clay event. He played in Texas. Right. He went to the Texas clay event and he lost, and I believe the quarters of the third round. He's he been having that. some mild meltdowns. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's to take into account. But he's been beating good players. Yeah. Um, is he top ten, top twenty, top fifteen? No, because he hasn't shown like he's consistently winning. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. On grass, maybe. I'm going to give him top 15. Okay. I do think he's playing top 15 tennis. This is strictly a gut feeling. So I want him to be there. Don't get me wrong. I love Curious. Because this is this is what we're not taking into account. And it's it's not our fault. You know, it's, This isn't like we're bad at critiques. He's ranked so poorly. He's facing the top seeds in his first three rounds. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I think his runs are coming up a bit short. That's true. So I think that as his ranking actually grows and progresses, because he's playing consistent tennis right now, he's playing a full schedule. I think we can expect him to start getting in the top 25, top 20, get seated at the slams, not run into Nadal second round, Djokovic second round like he has been. Because he's been playing those guys early in events. So, Yeah, I think if he would have played the clay season, it would have helped him. Mm-hmm. You know, not potentially draw like a top seed on the grass season. Yeah. You know, the the men's <laughs> tour honestly gets a bit gray and fray after I wanna go as far as saying like maybe maybe number fifteen. It goes very gray. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost these guys just had a run at a tournament. That's yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Outside of a few of the the grinder players like the Batista Guts or yeah, Corino uh, Busta, yeah, those guys, those are guys that they just kind of make noise in a few tournaments every year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. How do you think he's gonna do, um, Kyrgios, 
against Basilashvili. Basilashvili. Yep. Um, that is a quality player. And I think it's a win that builds a lot of confidence and morale. And I think Kyrgios takes it. Yeah. I do think his game is a, he's a big shot maker, a lot of offense. He's actually a very intelligent player. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, he kind of startles players who don't haven't had a lot of experience against him. Yeah. And it kind of overwhelms him. I think that's what happened with Kasper Ruud. They played each other. And the Kyrgios play style, it just happened so fast. I think the match got away from him. So... It'll be pretty cool to see that match, but... Because that'll um, be a good win. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if you remember the Indian Wells draw Kyrgios had, but he had some big wins there. So, right, yeah. it'll... Hopefully, he can carry that momentum on with him, because Indian Wells is a slower surface. Yeah. So, now that he's going onto this faster surface, he should be getting dramatically rewarded. Yeah. That's tomorrow, though, I think. Um, you got some predictions for Wimbledon before we get out of here? Um, Wimbledon... The goat, Novak. <laughs> okay, and Iga. Um, oh yeah, and Iga. Okay, for sure. I feel like grass is a a dramatic change for her from the hard courts and the clay. Is it still favorable for her? I'm gonna say yes because she's literally dominating everybody. Yeah, this is my thought process: is she's taking the ball early and she's sitting almost in a beach chair to hit some of these strokes. <laughs> Which, to me, is what it takes to win on grass. You've mm-hmm. got to sit low and take it early and play early offense. She's probably the number one player doing that on the tour right now in the WTA. Yeah. So, I, in my personal opinion, outside of her serve not quite being big enough, grass is going to work in her favor. As long as she doesn't draw any massive hitters who maybe can get a strong head start on her in a first or second set. So, I have pretty high hopes for her there. And outside of that, I think... um. That pretty much sums up this week, unless you got anything else for me. Mm, uh, you're going to start your rehab. Uh, we're going to document that and get you back on the tennis court. Yeah, you know, for, for those of you listening here, I'm definitely planning to start releasing these videos for this podcast, where everything we're discussing, you will see us discuss it. So the videos will be on Spotify exclusively or YouTube. If you want to just listen traditionally the way you always do through audio, you would do it using Apple. You can still use Spotify. You can use Stitcher. You know, whatever podcast app you use. We are on all of them. But the ones that support video, you will be able to watch the podcast as well. So, you know, keep that in mind. If you decide you would like to enjoy that experience, you may need to switch apps. Switch over to Spotify. It is a free app. Just create an account. Search ATP Around the Post Podcast. Type in Jake Asai. Type, type in whatever you need. If you know me personally or if you follow me online anywhere, you can always message me and, you know, I can point you in the right direction so you can experience things visually as well, because we are planning to add in the Road to Indian Wells content where we do video of the training sessions and how to master your game and take it to not just the level you're at, but a very high level. So outside of that, thanks for coming out, man. Thanks for uh, supporting the podcast and helping us stay consistent every week. For sure. Thanks for having me.